0: Good morning everyone and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M, Recovered Compulsive Overeater and the moderator for this meeting. Today is Sunday, June twentieth, two thousand and twenty. The share ID numbers for Friday, June the eighteenth are the following for the seven AM Eastern Big Book Study. 17,177, that's 17177. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,178, that's 17178. This morning, A Vision for You presents Repairing the Damage, Step 9 made direct amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Overeaters Anonymous stands for the proposition that the 12 steps give us freedom from the bondage of our disease. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change, sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. Steps one and two are conclusions of the mind. Lack of power is our dilemma. We are powerless and need power. A power greater than ourselves will restore us to sanity. Step three is a decision to find that power through the working of the steps. Steps 4, 5, 6, and 7 rehabilitate our relationship with our true self, removing those defects which block the access to our higher power. Now we're ready for steps 8 and 9, which give us an opportunity to live in harmony with others and to be rid of the fear, guilt, remorse, and shame that you might have felt in the past. Bill Wilson, in the AA 12 and 12, writes, Good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are the qualities we shall need when we take step nine. We go to those we've harmed, acknowledge the harm, specifically take responsibility for our part, and clean it up, repairing the damage and making restitution. Joining us today to share their experience with the men's process, step nine, are three recovered compulsive overeaters. Our panelists include Eileen M from New Hampshire, Karen K from New York, and Jason K from Pennsylvania. And without further ado, I welcome our first panelist to the line, Eileen M. Good morning, Eileen.
1: Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Eileen M. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, living in Lebanon, New Hampshire. It's a beautiful day here and uh, I'd like to invite my higher power to this um, share in hope that I may be able to help someone on the line. So I'd like to qualify for a few minutes before getting to the topic. Um, I started compulsively overeating at age five and when I got older, I knew that I had a problem, but I didn't understand it. I, I certainly didn't know that it was a disease and I thought I was the only one who did this behavior. Um, I started attending OA in my 20s and, you know, from the very first meeting I felt at home because, you know, here were like-minded people who understood my struggle with food and, you know, I got a few years of continuous abstinence in the beginning and I went to a big book retreat and did the steps and, you know, back then there really didn't seem to be much work on step six and seven. So, you know, my behavior really never changed And, um, you know, back then my attempt at making amends to those I had harmed was by just simply apologizing, you know, whereas the big book is very clear and specific about how to make amends that are effective, you know, how to repair the damage. And, you know, for example, on page 83 at the top, it says that a remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. You know, and that's what I had been doing. I, I really had, I had no conception that I was supposed to change my behavior with God's help. And I didn't really, I didn't even understand the concept of living amends. I, I had no idea what that was. Um, and uh, anyway, so I, after, you know, I struggled for many years in OA. I, I would get abstinent for periods of time, and then I would go back to excess food again. You know, I, I still didn't know how to cope with life. I really didn't have the design for living. Um, I had the delusion that compulsive overeating was still my answer. And uh, anyway, so um, all of that changed when I found this meeting, A Vision for You. This meeting saved my life. I'm very grateful for it. Um, so I surrendered my alcoholic foods and compulsive food behaviors, and I got a step guide. I, um, we went through all the steps, you know, and I did them very quickly, and, uh, you know, I found, I found the way out, and, you know, God restored my sanity. And I'm very grateful. By the grace of God, I've been entirely abstinent continuously and living in the solution for a little over five years now. And, you know, I could never have done that alone. Um, I am a real compulsive reader. And I just want to describe a little um, what it was like before I came to OA. And also, you know, in early OA, I was, I was also... Um, you know kind of living this way is i went i was going through life you know unaware that i affected other people and you know it never occurred to me to take responsibility for my life i lived as a victim blaming other people i mean i even blamed my parents for my compulsive overeating and you know i believe that when i left their home that the compulsive eating would stop you know the problem would be resolved i just had to i just had to get out of their house basically and um, I remember a time in early program where, you know, people were sharing on the line about, how, or, uh, in meetings about how, you know, we create our misery by our self-will. And it says on page 62 of the big book, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. You know, and The Alcoholic is an example of self-will run riot. I remember hearing that, and I balked at that concept. You know, I believed that my problems stemmed from two things. One, the behavior of other people, and that I suffered from bad luck. And, you know, okay, so I, um, I want to just, you know, now go into the topic. Today's topic is to, um, you know, present an immense experience that had a profound effect on my recovery, and the one that comes to mind is the amend that I made with my father. So what it was like, my father um, was an alcoholic, and he never found sobriety. He was, he was an active alcoholic most of my life. And, uh, you know, I never really looked at how I responded to that or how, you know, what was my part. And um, this inventory process kind of really opened my eyes, you know, and that showed me that I had a part in this, you know, I had a part in this relationship, and you know, I looked up the word amends in the dictionary. It means to repair, to, in, to improve or make better. So, you know, what happened with my dad was that I was very angry with him for years, and I suppressed my feelings by stuffing them with food. And, you know, in my disease, I was only relying on myself. I, I thought that the best, the best way to handle this relationship that was very difficult was to avoid him. So, you know, at some point, like in my 20s, you know, I decided, okay, I'm not talking to him anymore. And I actually stopped all communication for three years. And, you know, in doing that, what I did, you know, what I did was I didn't answer phone calls from him. I didn't, um, I actually went, you know, (laughs) I went to the length of going to the post office and getting a general delivery address so that he wouldn't know where I lived and, uh, You know, it was very selfish and i actually thought i was doing something good for myself you know i was protecting myself and you know i was only acting i was acting out of my disease you know i never considered how he felt about this i certainly was not mindful of his welfare you know so in this inventory process i got this all down on paper and then when it came to step nine you know i consulted my step guide about how to approach this man because i hadn't talked to him in three years And I also went to other people in the program who had experience, um, you know, making restitution to their parents. I consulted a professional as well, and it was suggested that I write a letter expressing my desire to make restitution to him and that I wanted to meet him in person, and I really didn't know how he was going to respond to that. I I was basically afraid of my dad for many years, and I was really afraid of his reaction, but, you know, I was – What I was told or suggested was that I turn it over to my higher power. So how did I approach this? So, you know, I was given the instructions, you know, that we, on page 83, it says, we are careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the purpose is to just clean off our side of the street. So I love the quote on page 76 because it tells us exactly what to do. It says, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for recovery over alcohol. So I remember when I when I was going to do this there were certain things that I did not want to admit to him. For example, you know, I had lied to him about some things. And that was very embarrassing to me that I needed to go to him and say, "Hey, you know, you need, you know, you need to know the truth about these things." And I didn't want to do it. And the prayer was a really big part of this for me because, you know, as it says, if you haven't the will to do this, we ask. We we ask for help until this comes and there's another, um, kind of a, in the form of a prayer, it's, I've heard it was called the Step Nine Prayer, but it's on page 79, and it says, you know, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences. So, you know, I knew that I had to, I had to get clean with him, and It was really helpful to um you know discussing this with other other folks in the fellowship was really helpful so um you know submitting to that to the step process you know kind of opened the door for a new relationship with my father um i was coming from a new understanding you know and my attitude had changed toward him i i felt hopeful about the relationship and you know now i had to make living amends which meant change the behavior um, you know, and what, I did meet with him in person, and we had a really good talk, and, you know, I was really surprised, and what happened next was really amazing, is that a few days after our meeting, I got a Federal Express package um, at my house, and inside it was a letter that he had written to me, and, I mean, he spent $29 to get this thing to me overnight so that, you know, he wanted me to know how he felt. And this was a very loving thing that he did. In the letter he wrote, um, he basically took, he took responsibility for his part. And, you know, he apologized to me, he said that, you know, he had realized that he had expected perfection of me most of, you know, most of my life. And um, I just thought that was incredible. And, you know, he told me he loved me and you know, my father was not the type of person that actually would, would talk about feelings like that. He, he, he didn't seem to have that kind of language. And it was just amazing. I mean, I, I just was blown away by that, uh, the fact that he did that. And, um, you know, then there was another, uh, another miracle that came shortly after I was, I was at a family gathering because, you know, I'd started to resume a relationship with him and visit him and, I went to my family's house and he was planning to have a party, you know, which, you know, he needed help getting groceries. So I said, okay, you know, I'll go out with you and get groceries. And so we're in the store and he goes up to the register and, you know, I met him at the register and he starts unloading these cases of wine onto the conveyor belt thing. And I'm standing there like watching this whole thing. And, you know, I was kind of overcome by this kind of sudden like it was, it was this sense of compassion and love for him that I don't really remember ever having before. I was just kind of watching, you know, the alcohol coming down the <laughs> down the belt, and um, you know, for the first time in my life, I I separated him from the disease, and I realized it's like, you know, he's as powerless over alcohol as I am over food, and it was just such, it it was such amazing. It was it was like a spiritual awakening for me. And, you know, I started kind of developing this relationship with him. And, you know, it was so incredible. I, I just, you know, I was with him, you know, he got married. He got remarried at age 95. And I was with him at his wedding. I was with him for very, you know, all the important occasions. And up until the end of his life, and when he died, I didn't have any regrets. I was, I was at peace. And, you know, I'm so grateful today that, I got to make amends to him and spend time with him while he was still alive. And that was just, that's a miracle. And, you know, God God made that possible. It's, you know, it was the grace of God plus my willingness that gave me the power and strength to do what I couldn't do because, you know, I was planning on not having a relationship with him ever. Um, and, you know, there's this quote on page 124 of the big book that I absolutely love, you know, because we talk a lot in program about, you know, After we've recovered, you know, what do do we do to enlarge our spiritual life and how do we grow? And this quote says, We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. I love that. That is just so beautiful because, you know, I'm doing that with God's help. I'm not doing that on my own. So I have a couple more minutes. Um, I just want to also share that um, when I did my sex inventory, I, uh, this is another amends that I've I've had to make, and uh, so sort in of my sex inventory, it revealed um, this very dysfunctional pattern of relating to men. And I had there were four men in my life that I dated that I behaved in a very selfish manner, and it was not only selfish, but it was dishonest, self-seeking, and it was predicated on fear. I mean, I was in that behavior because I thought that that was the best way to protect myself from being hurt. So I was, you know, I was trying to, you know, get emotional security that way. And, you know, it was very stressful because I I put myself in a constant state of fear and worry about being found out. And, you know, nobody else was doing that to me. I was doing it. And, you know, that's where, you know, relying on myself got me. Um, so this, you know, behavior had come up in previous inventories, but I, this time, what was, you know, the really transforming part of step four for me, which I had never done this before, but I was asked the question of what could I have done instead, and that's that's pretty revealing because, you know, the list I came up with then became my sex ideals. So this list, you know, this this would be how I would treat men in the future, and that's what the living amends has been is that, you know, I've been able to change this behavior with God's help. And, you know, I'm very grateful. Today I'm, I'm in a pretty healthy marriage. I, um, another miracle of, of this program is that I, you know, in 2019 I got married for the first time in my life, and I'm, I'm 58. And, you know, I never thought that would be possible. I mean, I simply didn't have the emotional maturity to have that kind of relationship. So um, I'm very, very grateful, and with that I'm going to pass.
0: Thank you so very much, Eileen, for sharing your experiences with us. Now I welcome panelist number two, Karen Kay from New York.
2: Hello, my name is Karen Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer.
0: Welcome, Karen. Thank you.
2: It's an honor and a privilege to uh, share today, and I wanted to wish all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day, father-like figures to people, um, and a happy Father's Day. And anybody celebrating an OA birthday, I know Marcy G is, and I just want to say a happy a happy a- anniversary to her. Um, I went right into the work. I just wanted to say I've been absent as of July 19th. Um, Excuse me, July fifth, two thousand and nineteen. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. On page eighty three in the twelve and twelve, my list consisted of and you know I had a hard time with this, my um I delayed, 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 and and my sponsor said to me at the time, just make the list. Just make the list. So it went to now, maybe, and never. To anybody that I have harmed. On page eighty-five in the uh, twelve and twelve, no excuses. We must do this direct amends healing. Page eighty-seven and eighty. Excuse me, eighty-seven. Um, and the big book is talks about this is the very spirit of step nine. The main blockages. Of my doing my uh step work, this specific step was um fear um, not wanting to be uh i would get i would get rejected um but basically a lot of fear and what made this so powerful for me was I was clearer than ever before in my thirty seven years of recovery clear i mean i was off the alcohol uh foods and i didn't like my past i did not like my past and um and it's you know this step is truly important and it kind of is about me but then again it's about in alignment with my god it's about being in alignment with my god to say to make amends to his children and we're all children of god and i couldn't avoid any more by sweeping this stuff under the carpet i have a little thing for this may work for some but it works for me i write vertically down on a piece of paper j o y and what that means for me is jesus over you so anything in the o that becomes blockage, whether not making an amends or repeating the same behaviors, is going to block my relationship with my higher power. And I don't want that. I do not want that. Before each amend, I would bring my higher power in. You know, what's my part? What's my part? Then I need to listen. Is this the right way Because it says, when to do so would injure them or others. It may injure them, it may may injure me. Now, you know, some people can take this to the extreme and say, well, I'm just, you know, living amends. I'm not saying that. Because sometimes it can hurt me, and it can hurt the other person. Uh, This stuff can be very selfish and very destructive. So I need a lot of discernment. Working with a sponsor and my God Squad and my spiritual director, when this work is done. On page uh, 77 to 78, we've done our we've done our utmost best to straighten out the past. Where we were there to sweep our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. That's really important because, you know, I know a lot of people I've made amends to, and I thought, you know, they should be saying sorry to me, and that's not what this stuff is about or my motivation for doing it. That's really important. Um, last thought, my first, when I got into vision in um, May, I, I, I just it just brought a whole new light for the uh, big book for me. And I had a friend that we were, were about friends for about 15 years. And then I didn't know what to do. I wasn't in OA yet. And um, I just avoided her. I didn't return her calls. And then I wrote her a letter. I didn't want anything to do with her. And it was just mean. It was mean and it, and it was just ugly. And um, and I was very unkind and, and uh Selfish. And I really hesitated because I know she was that way with me, you know, and, you know, so why do that? So, again, I go into prayer and meditation. And uh, what I learned from is I have a, a little bit of a memory problem, and she she knows this. And so I wrote down what was on my side of the street and basically what I just said Earlier, you know, I avoided you. I wasn't the best, you know, the, the good friend that you deserve. You know, this is how I was like, you know, these are the steps I'm making. You know, I will answer your phone calls. i like us to do things together, go on road trips. And uh, I read it because of the memory problem. Unfortunately, that did not go over very well because that was her, her third letter that week from other 12-step fellowships. But she was more kinder, you know, because she knew about my memory problem and and it had uh, she it, she said, "You know, and I said, "Is there anything that you would like to say and it's so important in making the amends of having the eye contact you know um i mean, I did look at her when I was reading the point and um and and she was very grateful for that and we're and we're still friends today, you know, and um she's been a big blessing in my life. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, I'm just, uh, it's very important before I go to each amend that I bring God into it. Another amend that I I was guided to do was, uh, excuse me, was with a former employer where I used company time and wasted time because I was in the food. I misused uh, company comp cards because I was in management. I got to go eat wherever I wanted, which is every compulsible overeater's dream. And I abused it. You know, I would take people out. I would do parties with it. And it was a total abuse of the privilege. And um, I even take driving as a privilege, if not a given. So I don't have that uh, self-entitlement like I did then. God had God got that out of the way, so I could meet with this employer. This was very hard to do because you see, um, I've got a lot of ego going on. So again, Jesus over you. I don't want to edge God out with ego, and, um, and I so, was so much of the world when I worked for this man, and uh, it's a very large company here. And uh, see, there goes my pride again. See. I I just did it again. So I made an appointment, a verbal appointment over the telephone, and say, can we meet for coffee? And he was surprised to hear from me because he hasn't heard from me in a long time. And he he goes, okay. So when I looked at him directly in the eyes, I spoke to him. Um, He knew about my other problem that I had with the beverage program, and I gave him the exact nature of my wrongs. I cited three instances where I went over on the comm card, and how selfish it was for me to do that, and and how, you know, I was I, I owned it, um, and he didn't understand about you know how food affects the mind and you know all all that stuff and the soul and the spirit and the body, and. He goes, Karen, Karen, I'm just glad you're well. I'm just glad you're well. And he just gave me this big hug, you know? And and it takes that uh, uh, bringing God into that, putting God between me and that person. How will you have me be when I speak this amends? I could have the most perfect thing planned in my eyes, but what would God have me say? Yes, I can practice with my sponsor, I can practice with other people, but somehow, like in step three, we I turn, my soul turns to turn my will and my life over to the care, cut my hands over to the care of God. How would you have me be? So sometimes it does get a little, a, a, a little changed up for me. And now today, I took it a step further um i do some work it's you know i do artwork and just organizing my home is a project and um how am i showing up for life today am i showing up on time for my the people that i work with uh and in the 12 steps i meet with them on zoom or they call sometimes i make mistakes and i either have the phone off and I, i don't mean to but i do the best i can and and show up you know, the service I do for Vision the service I do lo- locally and when I when I show up when God calls me to volunteer at my parish just be on time and do the work and do it well do it like how God would how God would have me be. One thing I wanted to mention I just really feel very strong about this. It's important for me to let. People know, because I have listened probably over to 100 fifth steps. I stopped counting. And I want to go to the bottom of the big book on page 78 to the top of 79. It about, talks about committing a criminal offense. And, and people are willing, you know, to go to jail for whatever they have done. So when I get that in a fifth step, the state I live in, again, has no statute of limitation. I direct them to those pages in the book. I ask them, you know, do you have a spiritual advisor in your life? We usually kind of talk about that between one through three. You know, another person, not a therapist or whatever, but, you know, other people that they can, you know, bounce this off of. And then again bring God into it. Then it's on them. Of course they deserve to be freed. Of course they need to do that sort of work if they did it. I just don't want it on my hands. Call me selfish. I just don't um think I'm qualified for that. Just because I just don't think I am and that's that's how I that's how I I direct that um amend step. On page seventy nine we have to be given the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be and Then I pause. We must not shrink at anything, and this goes to in my in my relationships in general, but I'm going to specifically talk about um the engagements that I've had in my life, um, which, you know, are quite a few. I have not been able to find them. And when I was on the um, virtual one convention in January, and I spoke on steps four and five, and, you know, it just went on my heart, you know, it was a new experience. You know, each time I work with somebody, something new comes up. I learn from everyone. They're beautiful people. And to watch them grow and learn, and I learn from them. Um, I spoke, and it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. So I knew it came from God, because I always say a prayer before I speak on Zoom or, you know, before today. And I put my ring finger up in the camera. I said, how would my God have me be? would not to be selfish and self seeking with a man with anything sex, money, food, whatever, and there'll be two rings on this finger and they'll be saved for after marriage. The sanctity, the sacredness of marriage. Now, six months later, there's a man in my life and I'm living that amend with him. How it's gonna turn out God only knows as long as I stay close to God and make that turn with that faith, are my feet moving for the way that I believe. And so far, so good. And with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you so much, Karen Kay, for sharing your experiences with Step 9. Now I welcome panelist number three, Jason Kay from Pennsylvania.
3: Hi, good morning, Leah, and and thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Jason Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater from uh, outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And thank you for my two uh, panelists, just to set the stage beautifully for uh, me. I think I have a great position to go third. Um, But this is a a really, really wonderful topic. Um, There's so much power uh, in amends. There's just so much available, such great experiences. I'll just kind of share briefly um, some context or some some points, but I want to get into, you know, my specific experiences of doing amends and a number of different stories, and I want to cover some financial amends, some personal amends, um, some different things where I couldn't reach people, um, so that we have a sense of what these look like and um, the results that can come from doing this. Uh, I am uh, three and a half years plus abstinent, um, recovered. Um, Thankfully, I'm I'm a 41-year-old male. Uh, I came into program when I was about 20, and I had uh, a first step experience that took me about 17, 18 years to really fully understand. Um, These steps are an integrated whole For me, everything is driven from that step one experience. Uh, Especially for me, what was very, very, very powerful is the willingness to go to any length. And Bill Wilson reminds us about this willingness to go to any length in this chapter. And, and, and you know, when he was working with uh, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob didn't want to do his amends. Amend. It's one thing to admit, you know, in confidence with a trusted friend, the exact nature of our wrongs. But there's a, a, a deeply humbling uh, to go to a person and to confess our shortcomings and to say to them eye to eye, face to face uh, or over the phone or however we can. This is how I harmed you. I'm truly sorry. I ask your forgiveness, and how can I make it right? Um, but in that deep humility and surrender of w- and willingness to go to those people, on that spiritual basis, um, with a pure heart, willing to clean up the wreckage of the past, um, I've found such tremendous closeness with my higher power, uh, and, and and it's just an it's been an astounding experience. Um, so this this is. Um, Kind of just a little bit of a of a background uh when I came into the program and when I first got recovered, I had been uh divorced from a woman who was my main number one resentment. I would be flooded with emotions when I thought of this woman, my ex wife and I'd say she left me, and I'd burn with anger and resentment. It was just palpable i mean i have i I have memories of just you know those feelings just. Catching with me, and I just seized with anger. And after doing my fourth step, I saw how wrong I was. This woman, I had felt resentful because she left me. And then after doing my fourth step inventory and seeing how selfish, how abusive, how emotionally, you know, immature, how emotionally abusive, physically abusive, I just treated this woman terribly. And I hadn't focused on that, I hadn't seen that. And Suddenly, I had this new truth. I was standing upon a new truth, which was, she should have left me. She made a good decision to leave me. And that was the 100% turnaround from my resentment, which was, she shouldn't have left me. So I was very excited to call this woman up. Um, I had really put her through the ringer. And I called her up and I said, I'm in recovery and I'd like to make amends to you. I have come to the uh, realization that you made an absolutely good decision to leave me um, based on the way I have treated you, and I said, "Can we talk? Can we do amends?" For me, it's very important to get permission to do amends. Some people don't want to hear from us. We don't want to impose upon those people. This is a delicate situation. I gave her some information that I was coming up as from a very different perspective, and that maybe she would be open and willing to hear what I had to say. Thankfully, she complied and obliged me. She did not want to meet in person, which is fine. So we talked over the telephone. That was probably safer for her. And we had this conversation and I just started sharing with her all of these uh, new revelations. And, 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 you know, I did not think I was a selfish person before I did my fourth step. And then in my fourth step, after looking at it line by line, you know, a hundred times over, I realized, how selfish I was, and I told her specific detail. You know, the big book talks about a remorseful mumbling won't suffice. I I didn't just say I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I brought up specific, uncomfortable, detailed examples, and 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 truly apologized to her and told her how she did not deserve to be treated that way. And thank God she left me. She saved us both from a toxic relationship that neither one of us had. Necessarily wanted to disengage from. Um, she was stunned. There's there's so much power in this. She was stunned. She was flabbergasted. She just interrupted me and she said, "I never thought I'd hear you say things like this to me." And I said, "Well, good. You know." So, and 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 she told me clearly something has happened with you. Clearly something is different about you. And she saw that. And that's what we need to bring to our amends. You know the fundamental experience I had was I was wrong. She was mistreated by me. I am willing to make that right. And you know she also stopped me during the cement and she just said, you know, I always just felt like you hated me. And 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 I was surprised because that wasn't my experience. And I stopped and I said it wasn't that. I said I could see how you could could I could see how you could um think that. I said, but I love you know, this about you, and I love this about you, and I love this, and I listed, you know, eight things off the top of my head that I loved about her, and she, she was so, um, pleased to hear that, and it, it it was just truly transformative, so, you know, it's just such a powerful, powerful, powerful process, um, you know, and this is a very personal one, but, you know, I, I really want to encourage people to be willing to make all amends. That's a very important word. And one example of amends I made was I used to steal milk crates, you know, the things behind, you know, the Seven Eleven, you know, the stores, and I'd use them in my garage or I'd use them in my basement or my room and I'd store things. And I realized, like, I'm, I I stole those. I should give those back. And, and it seems silly to gather up these milk crates, to go to these stores, to walk in carrying these things saying, hey, look, I sold these from you. And, and, and it's funny because I did this the first time and this woman looked at me and she said, oh, okay, well, you can have them. We don't need them. And I said, thank you very much, but I'd really like to return these. They are not mine. I sold them from you. Um, <laughs> and it was really funny because she did not seem to, to, to care or to mind. And, and it seemed silly to go down to the store But again, it's very humbling. It's very, uh, there's such a a feeling of freedom that comes from being willing to make every amends possible. So a couple months later, I'm cleaning my garage and I find four more of these milk crates. And I say, okay, they're not mine. Do I really need to to bring these down to this store? Do I really need to return these four more milk crates to this place where the woman said, I can keep them? And, And in my heart, in my conscience, in my mind, I said, yes. And, and just, just for me, whenever I find a clear amend, you know, it's, I stole something, I can give it back. I love to make those amends because some are a little bit more gray. I can't quite figure out the right course of action. So I went down to the store and I said, This will be easy. I've done this before. This is no big deal. I walked in with those four milk crates. I did my spiel, I gave them back. I walked out of that store and suddenly I was in tears. I felt so free. I felt so closer, close to my higher power, and just the emotion overcame me, and I had this god shot moment of total freedom, and, you know, it was just so powerful. Um, some of the amends we make, they're just not as clear. I did this little health insurance scam where I said, yes, I'm a, a domestic partner, and I signed this affidavit, and I hadn't been actually living with this woman long enough to consider be legitimately considered a domestic partner. And I basically got her health insurance through my company. Um you might call this insurance fraud. It's uh being deceptive. It's manipulating the system. My ex this was the same ex wife. She wasn't really comfortable with this. But I persisted, I persisted. I wanted to get her health insurance. Um Now, when we divorced and she was off that health insurance, I realized I basically stole money from my company. Now, if I would go to my company and say, this is what I did, it's wrong, it would probably and possibly implicate her because, you know, she signed those papers as well. So this was one of those ones where I had to say, let me try to recoup this money to my company. And I sat in a meeting for my benefits and they said, our benefits costs have increased this year. We paid more money. Therefore, your benefits are increasing. So I was part of that. So I had to make contributions, financial contributions, to my company anonymously to try to repay and clean up that wreckage without bringing her bringing her back into that. Because she's not in a 12-step program. She's not trying to make amends. This isn't something that she wanted to do. So that was a good example of um of... You know, doing an amends where I didn't want to harm another person. The other way that I was extremely selfish was with financial things. Financial amends for me are hard in certain ways because there's not really much emotional content, you know, to relieve that uh, baggage and kind of clean up the past with my ex-wife. And by the way, I did offer her some money for for counseling and to try to help her, you know, get through any of the the trauma or you know, healing and recovery. So I, I tried to really ask her, how can I make this up to her? Um but, you know, financial amends, like am I really guilty that Visa, you know, didn't get their credit card payment. Uh it doesn't matter. I make the amends anyways. I call up those companies. I say I, you know, use this credit card. I didn't pay the bill. What do I need to do to make it right? Um and and these are rewarding as well. I called up a credit union that I had taken a loan out of and I had not paid that loan. And, and I thought it was going to be like the credit card company. Yeah. Your total debt is 5,000, but if you pay back 2,400, we'll consider it closed. And and the woman from the credit union says, no, we don't work like that. I said, Oh, so I need to pay back the full 5,000. She goes, yeah. I go, Oh, I said, that hurts. And she said something that was very powerful. She said, well, that hurt us when you didn't pay back that loan. I said, "Fair enough. Where do I make the check out to?" That was rewarding because I was able to get a person on the line and she was able to talk about, "Yeah, that hurt us." Um, so and when I heard that, I said, "Yes, okay. Where, you know, where do I where do I send the check and uh, where do I make the payment?" And there's such a tremendous sense of freedom financially. You know, I used to renege on payments. I used to not um, pay people I moved out of an apartment um, and into a home a couple years ago. And, and I just, I was so determined not to repeat that behavior. You know, this is where this becomes a way of life that, you know, I ended up breaking a lease. I didn't realize it. I didn't, re- I thought it was month to month it auto renewed, but I said, whatever I have to do, I will make sure I do not renege on any payments or, you know, skip out on anything from this landlord. And I happened to buy a house on the next block. And after this whole thing was said and done, I I pulled up to my new house one day and I realized a block away down on the left is my old apartment. And I said, I don't have to be afraid that if I take a walk in my own neighborhood and run across that old landlord, I will not have the feeling that I owe him money. And again, this tremendous sense of freedom came from me that I, I can walk uh, the earth as a free man, not one, not worrying about repercussions or, you know, guilty feelings because I've paid, you know, I've stolen money from somebody that I've reneged on a payment. I can hold my head up uh, high. And again, when you do this, when I do this, I feel so close to my higher power. There's so much power in this. And that's, that's the, I guess that's my key message here. It's like, there's so much power. There's so much freedom. Um, there's so much available in this process of amends that I encourage everybody just to keep passing through all your experiences. Um, I have to find ways to not let things drop or drag. I used to um, go visit my girlfriend in college, and I'd always sneak right back in in the back door of the dining hall, and I'd always go in and I'd get food. And I was, again, stealing, being selfish, inconsiderate. Um, Not paying for this food, Um, so I called up this dining hall and and tried to get a hold of the manager. And I left a message saying I'm trying to make amends. You know, I left that in the ball in their court, and then I had to realize six months later they're not calling me back, and I have to um, really make sure to call those people up and really find a way to make it right. So I called again. I left a message and I said, you know what, I'm not waiting. I went over to their website. I made a donation to a scholarship fund, kind of estimated how much money I might have owed them for stealing all that food, sneaking into that dining hall. And hopefully I'm paying that forward to another, uh, to that institution. Uh, and, and then I did get a call back and that was very rewarding too, because the guy said, no, we can't take any money from you. We working into our budget that certain food is stolen but it was also very personal because this guy was very impressed with my willingness to go to any length. And he said, just keep doing whatever you're doing because this is powerful work. And I so appreciate you calling to make this amend." you know, and again, that feels good to me to be able to put it out there. And I'll just finish with one last uh, story uh, before I wrap up here. I am timing myself. So I have about a minute or two left. Um, I had bullied a kid in high school. I had, Kind of picked on him, um, kind of just bullied him. Really, uh, there were just some, some. just some things, and I look back on that and I'm like, why did I do that? And you know, so when I try to get in touch with this kid, um, uh, who 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 would no longer be a kid, I can't seem to find him. I'm searching Facebook. I find um, his namesake. Uh, senior, you know, I found this guy's father, who happens to have the same, same name. So it, this was senior. I had bullied his son, junior, and I said, "How can I get in touch with him?" And I was shocked to hear back that this uh, this person had killed himself. You know, and I had heard, and I and I and I I was able to ask a little bit about his story of addiction and and pain and suffering. You know, and to sit there and think, did I contribute to that with this person? You know, what type of inner turmoil did he have to go through in order to do what he did to himself, and and to 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 apologize as best I could to his parents, and to say, you know, how sorry I, I am to have done what I did. And uh, I was talking with his dad, and his mother got in touch with me the next day, and she said, God bless you for doing what you've done. She said, please forgive you. You know, she said, he suffered, he suffered and he's gone, but forgive yourself. And I mean, what a blessing, what a blessing that that woman um, could come back to me uh, with that message and that for for whatever little drop in the bucket, you know, that, that action meant for me to go to them and apologize and, and try to make it right. You know, and I had to turn around and give money to an anti-bullying agency you know, to try to, again, pay it forward to do something concrete. Um, So, yeah, I'll just say it again. There's a lot of power here. It's the power of of God, our higher power. Um, And by doing these amends, all of them thoroughly, fastidiously, we can draw closer to our higher power and, you know, um, access recovery, help others live happily and usefully whole. And that I pass.
0: Thank you, Jason, for your powerful testimony this morning. Thank you to all three of our panelists this morning, Eileen, Karen, and Jason, for sharing your amends process with us and some of the more profound and impactful uh, scenarios that you experienced in your recovery process. Really appreciate all that you gave to us this morning. Contact information for the panelists will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. The share ID for this presentation, by the way, is 17,187. That's 17,187. And we will now transition to question and answers. You can pose a question to one of our panelists by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name please, star one to unmute if you have a question.
3: We must have covered everything last.
0: Yeah, I guess so, all minds are clear, that's fascinating. Okay. Any questions? Great opportunity to ask a question regarding amends process or any scenarios that you relate to that were shared by the panelists. Perhaps people let me see. One moment. Oh, hold on one second.
4: Yes, I have a question.
0: About now. It's uh-huh. our 110 mute. I have a question. Yes, your name, please. Marcia.
4: Therese. Therese.
0: Shirley Z. Shirley S. Shirley S. <laughs> Thera- Kathy Thera- K. Kathy Thera- K. Dara
5: Thera- C. Okay, w-
0: is that Cheryl, uh, Dara C, Jessica G, and Jessica w- w- last, A, sorry. Toby, Toby W. Okay, but, A. this is who oh, I okay. have thus far. Martha, Shirley S, Kathy K, Dara C, and Jessica G. Let's start with those please.
5: Good morning. This is Marcia B. in Ohio. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I do hear you. Thank you.
5: Well, thank you, panelists. Um, Ironically, I'm working on step nine. So this is very timely that God provided this today. My question is, um, as you did your harms inventory, um, did you, when it came time to actually making amends, did you find anyone on that list? Um, You didn't end up owing amends. To, and if so how did you how did you handle that
2: i'll uh i'll pause a response there
0: please go ahead
3: so um your Your question is kind of striking me um as a little bit of an oxymoron if we are doing a harms list and a person makes the harms list, we probably owe an amends, but let me kind of get at what I think you're getting at, which is are there scenarios and situations where we don't owe an amends or we need to kind of let it go? Um, my sponsor said something to me um that struck me on a deep deep level once when I asked a similar question, he says. What does your conscience say at the end of the day, you know, when you go to bed at night, are you going to feel clean and clear if you don't do anything to rectify the situation? And, you know, so what that's telling me, and, and I think it's an important question of which amends do we make, which, you know, in which direction do we go? We're really seeking guidance from our conscience, our higher power. We're really praying about these looking for an intuitive thought or decision. Sometimes it might seem irrational or counterintuitive that we would move in the direction of making amends in a situation. Um, Sometimes it seems like clearly we owe an amends, yet my conscience may be saying otherwise. So I think it's worth consulting with other people, but I've also found, you know, the more we consult with other people, the more we can find people who advocate you know, yes, make the amends. People who advocate make it indirectly. People who advocate leave it alone. The final arbiter is our higher power um, through our own conscience, through our own prayer and meditation of whether we make the amends or not. Um, Thanks.
0: Thank you, Marcia, for the question. Shirley
5: S., your turn. Yeah, hi, this is Shirley S. from... Savannah, Georgia, and uh, this question is uh, for any any panelist to answer, but I have um, an ex that I, over the years, um, have had to make a number of different amends to and um, have done so. And uh, I don't feel that they have really ever forgiven me uh which is I know their their side but but I guess the, the issue is now is that I feel like recently something came up and I made an amends and and I think I feel like maybe I jumped jumped too quickly to make it and they're just not taking it as being very serious and um and I really don't know how to go about it at this point because they've basically you know cut me out of their life and 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 I so I just don't really know what to do next because I I really want to uh you know make restitution but I I I guess when when someone's uh decided to cut you out that it's going to be difficult. So anyway, I don't know if you can understand my question, but um that's all I have. Thanks.
0: Panelists, anyone want to respond to that situation?
1: This is Eileen M.
0: Yes, please. Hi, this go ahead. Kay. Eileen, please. Thank you.
1: Sure. Um, I can take a stab at this. I, mm-hmm. What comes to my mind is, um, you know, if the person is not really willing to see me, then, you know, I kind of have to respect them. And, you know, is looking at going forward in my relationships, like in a similar, similar relationship that comes along, um, you know, is there an amends that I can make, like I can change that behavior so that going forward – you know, I can treat the the new relationships. You know, it's kind of like looking at how am I going to show up for the new relationships. So I think that's a, you know, that's an important point right there. Is you know, how can I change the behavior for, you know, future, um, re, you know, future relationships? And, um, you know, it, it's. I think that like if I if you know, not that you're going to do this, but I I thought that if I if I try to force myself on someone, it could cause further harm. Um, and the second thing I was thinking is, you know, just looking at what exactly am I doing when I make the amend? Is, you, know, am I, you know, am I acknowledging the behavior that I did, acknowledging the harm, actually? You know, am I acknowledging the harm and then, you know, am, am I asking, you know, how, um, if, they, if they have anything else to tell me? I think that's really important to, you know, add that in. And then that's a way of doing service to them to then listen to what they have to say. But, you know, once again, if someone is not willing to see me, you know, it's best that I, you know, just turn over that situation because that may not be how it is forever. I mean, that person may, you know, be, may be willing to see me at a, at a you know, later time. So it's just a matter of, you know, um, turning the situation over to God because God's really in charge. You know, it's really amazing to me um, you know, in my life of, you know, how I've wanted to make amends to someone and I can't find them, and then all, suddenly they show up. <laughs> I mean, that's a complete god shot right there. So so that's it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Shirley S., for the question. Kathy Kay, your turn.
2: I'd like to uh, just share a little bit. Thank you,
4: Leah, for all your service, and thank um, you to the you. panelists today. Yeah. I got so much out of your shares I'm wondering if you could speak explicitly to how the nature of the amends process has changed for you since you recovered and since you made those very important amends you made earlier in your recovery work. Do you find yourself making them less often? Are they of a different sort? Um, I'd just be interested in how you practice step nine on a regular basis. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Uh, I can take a stab at that. This is Jason.
0: Yes. Go ahead, Jason. And then, of course, Karen. Go ahead, Jason.
3: I'll keep it succinct. I think it's fundamentally, essentially 100% the same process. And it's absolutely essential... For me, as I do inventory work on a continued basis and 10th step is to consider if there are any amends or any ways that I will change my behavior going forward. I think the only thing that is different is, thank God, my character defects are less glaring and the damage I do is uh, much, much, much less um, significant since I'm living from a recovered state and and actively pursuing a higher power with the food down, thank God I don't create so much wreckage. Um so I think the first level of amends, like the first round is dealing with, you know, the more catastrophic things in our lives and the, the, the the deeper harms and thank God I don't do that harm uh going forward, but the process is essentially fundamentally the same.
4: Thank you, Jason.
2: Hi. um I wanted to, re- I couldn't get through for some reason. Something Go ahead, wrong.
0: Karen, please.
2: Yes, I, the, the prior question um, about the person that, you know, is not accepting the amends, um, I know that my God has forgiven me, and I've gone through that type of work and receiving and forgiving myself. You know, the war's over. I mean, these steps are not in order to beat myself up with. Or to heal, and sometimes I need to just lighten up on myself and forgive myself, and that will allow me to go forward. Um, and as far as the uh, next, the the next question, um, what helps me with that is upon awakening in in uh, the Big Book, and then when we when we retire at night, and that allows me to review my day. And I actually do that with someone on a, on a daily basis. We talk every night around 8 o'clock, and we review our day, and we don't go yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. We really specifically do, you know, where was I selfish? And we specifically put it in the app when we talk about it, too, what we did. You know, did, did one slip by where I didn't do a 10-step, and how many 10 steps did I do that day? And it's all about practice, you know, when I came into OA and got on a vision for you, the war is over. It's a time for healing and letting go. With that, I will pass.
0: Thank you. Kathy Kay, thanks for your question. Dara C., your turn to pose
5: a question. Hi, good morning. This is Dara C. from Delaware, Um I have a question. I am on Step 9 right now. I am rocking and rolling on my amends. I have a long list of people that my sponsor and I have determined that I cannot make direct amends to, um, mostly because um, it would cause further harm to the other person. And I just want to hear if there's any other ways I can make amends Um, to get the freedom, aside from I've I've written letters and I read them out loud, but um, because I can't make direct amends to so many people, is there another way um, to get freedom um, when you can't make direct amends? That's my question. Thank you.
2: I can take a stab at that.
0: Go ahead, Karen. Please.
2: Hi, um, that's a that's a, a a common question, and to amend is to is to alter, to change, to do differently. Um, so, what I said in my third um, my third example, I I mean, watch, say, I'll probably run into two of the guys that I was engaged to. No, no one, God's luck, and my luck, okay. But just saying, um, I cannot find them. So I made um, a spiritual decision with my God on what my behavior, how would my God have me be? How will my God have me be? And take that into meditation. So say I gossiped about somebody. Say I, whatever character defect it is, selfish, self-seeking, frightened, or dishonest, any of those. Be more, um, my experience has been is to be more conscious of that, I'm bringing God into my day throughout the day. My God is holding my hand throughout the day. And amend to change whatever those things are. Now, I know that still happens to me with some other stuff where my living amends are. And then I can catch myself and I can say, I'm going to stop with that. Even if I'm in mid-sentence with it. You know, gossip, I know something really juicy, juicy. That means I know better than you, ego, ego. And then I stopped. I said, please forgive me. I didn't. I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm asking God to help. You know, God God does the work. And listening and being in alignment, like I had mentioned earlier, being in alignment with my higher power uh, really makes it easier. And, um, again, the war's over. It's time for forgiveness and to move on and to help some other people that desperately need your help with that outpass.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Dara, for your question. Jessica G.
5: Hi, thank you. This is Jessica G. in Florida. And I had a question for, I can't remember if it was Kathy or Eileen who talked, who mentioned their father and having their relationship with their father. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about the, your resentment towards your father was, very selfish and you were um not wanting a relationship with him. Can could could you expand on how you realized your resentment was was selfish? Was was there something was he pursuing a relationship with you and you were rejecting it or um I was just wondering if you could expand on that. Eileen?
1: Yes, um <clears throat> Hi um yeah, thank you for that question i um oh that's, that's a really good question so i you know i part of my anger was you know on the basis of he he was just not the father that I wanted you know I wanted him to treat me a certain way, and you know he really wasn't able to do that i mean he um you know never got sober and uh you know he, he um you know, I had this. Um, I, I didn't understand his alcoholism at all. I didn't really. I didn't know why he had that behavior. I actually thought that he didn't like me, and he was behaving in those ways because you know he hated me, and that was the um, that was the belief I had. And you know, I just, um, I just didn't look at how I was treating him. You know, when I when I started to avoid him, I, you know, I thought, well, that was the best thing for me, but, you know, when I was in the amends, you know, making the amends to him, he told me that that harmed him, that my avoidance, you know, hurt him, and, you know, the fact that I wasn't calling or getting in touch with him, and, I mean, I was actually, you know, he was sending gifts to me in the mail, I was sending them back, um, so he, you know, that was really helpful to hear that, I mean, it was it was hard to hear that, that I was hurting him, but... I remember, you know, when one of my um, one of one of the people I consulted about this in programs said, you know, do you want a relationship with him? And I, at that point, did. I thought, well, maybe it is possible. Maybe we could have some kind of relationship. Um, As I was recovering, I kind of wanted that more. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but
5: it does. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jessica, for your question.
5: Who
0: else has a question for our panelists this morning? Star 1 to unmute.
4: This is Larry K. Larry. <coughs> Jeannie
0: F. Jeannie. Abby F.
4: Jessica F. France Jody. E.
0: Hattie W. Okay. Toby Kim W. Okay, I think we've got ample for the time that we have left. Larry K., let's start with you.
4: Hey, Leah, happy Father's Day, Leia. <laughs> 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 okay, we are gone. Oh, are we gone? Jason, I'm going to pose this question to you because uh, it's, I don't know, it's Father's Day. So my question is, um, you know, with, with making nine-step amends, um, it's kind of a yes or no question, but maybe you could speak to it. Um, is, is there a prerequisite if you will, a prerequisite for having a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps by getting forgiveness for a harm done or, or perhaps reconciling, there's, gosh, there's relationships. I, 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 I really want reconciled. Is that a prerequisite for having a, a spiritual transformation? Can you speak to that, uh, Jason? I would appreciate that, if that, if that makes
3: any sense. So, yeah, thanks, Larry. Yeah, I appreciate hearing from you. And, um, yeah, I don't think we need to put too many preconditions and too many thoughts on this. What I've had in the past was I, I'd sit there and think, oh, this person, you know, that I'm sponsoring didn't quite, you know, get a spiritual shift. They don't quite see the wrong. It's like, you know, but I try not to judge too much, Uh, you know, if, you know, when I do inner work, for instance, if I'm trying to find a sense of forgiveness or forgiving myself, it's so much less powerful than if I actually approach a person and lay my heart there and take that action. I get lost in my own head trying to find forgiveness, trying to, you know, do some behavioral shifts, trying to pray. Um, the real power for me is in the action. And I've seen time and time again. You know, much more power in taking action. Don't stress out if you're not 100% sure you, you fully forgive this person. I, I did this recent, recently with a sponsor. You know, I said, You were wrong. You went over this inventory like you were in the wrong. Like you're going to call this sign, schedule an appointment. And she was like, Oh, I'm a little nervous. She did it. And she came back and she said, It was so eye opening. Exactly like you told me. I was wrong. I'm like, whole perception of this entire situation was wrong, and she was shocked and flabbergasted. Now, I wouldn't encourage her to try to, you know, see that clearly in the fourth step inventory before she goes to do the amendment So, yeah, I lean I, I more strongly towards take the action. You did your due diligence. You put it down on paper. Um, move forward. Uh, I hope that helps. Thank you, Larry, for
0: the question.
4: Jeannie had a question. Is there a Jeannie? Hi, this is Jeannie S. Thank you to the panelists. I'm gonna try to articulate this. I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to do it, but I'll try. So I found some confusion in my amends process where I didn't really develop in childhood or in adulthood, really the skill of having conversations with people open honest conversations with people when there's some kind of conflict involved and so i ended up making amends that were i didn't really harm people or what i really needed was to have a conversation and in that conversation it became clear that this person was upset with me but i didn't really know that so sometimes there's like some difficulties in a relationship but not a clear amend And I'm just wondering how, so what I ended up doing for a long time is I would make an amend, but I was holding in the part where I was having trouble with this person. And I don't know, it just was very unhealthy. So I don't know if anybody can speak to that. I'm not sure I'm articulating it well, but but that's kind of like, because I don't see a part in the steps that sort of just helps you figure out how to, I'm sure there is, but I don't see it, how to really just sit down with people in an honest, open way, and healthy way, and communicate. Well, thank you, Pat.
0: Any of the panelists want to respond to Jeannie's question?
2: I can take to that that
3: one.
0: Go ahead, Jason.
2: Hey, I'll
3: try to be succinct. Um, Yeah, I, I really resonate with that, and I see... You know, in my inventory, fear of conflict. I don't, you know, if I'm not 100% certain, I can't say something. I'll try to figure something out fully before I approach a person. And the result of that is I'm very dishonest with people. I'm hiding things. I'm not having open, honest conversations. So I think it is, for me, very, uh, very much in harmony with making amends is to go to a person and say, I'd like I I'd, I'd like to have more open, honest, forthright conversation with you, and um, say that that's a struggle for you, and open that door. And the scary thing is, is like, see what happens, you know? Like it's scary, right? That's why I tend to avoid those things out of fear, right? And that fear is my character defect. So uh, I think you're I think you're so close, you're right on track. And I would approach people, you know. You have the language articulating your problem, and it's just another quick step to invite people into those conversations. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Jeannie, for your question. Next question is from Abby. Abby?
6: Uh I think you meant hattie. Hi. hattie yes, I did, yes, I
0: did. Go okay. right ahead
6: hi, hi
0: everyone this
6: is, oh. this is hattie w um from Rhode Island, and I appreciate the panelists and and all of, that they're sharing. I'm also working on step nine and and the step the the amends i'm I'm struggling with right now is is kind of a structural issue, I think. Um, I was a young freelance writer more than 35 years ago in a different state, assigned to go talk to a woman who was elderly then about um, changes to her community and what it meant. And I reached out, I did the interview, and she gave me an old map. That was not to, for me to keep, to, but to, to take to the paper to be used f- probably for an illustration. I don't remember what happened with the article. I don't think I either didn't finish it or, and or I finished it and the paper said, well, no, this isn't what we want. But in the end, um, I've come into recovery and I'm, I have my amends list and I'm, I'm halfway through my list and I found the old map. It wasn't even on my list. But, of course, it's important to me that I return it. And I'm fairly certain that that person is gone. But even if she's not, I don't know how to find her. But I made a, a, a good effort online, and I Googled and... And I, Hattie,
0: in the interest of time, please. Yeah, okay. please pose a so
6: question. Thank in, you. In the interest of time, I don't know. I don't know how to return this object. And I. And I. Sh, even if I. I understand with an amends that sometimes you can't reach people, but how? What do I do with this object? It's not mine, and I would like it back in someone's hands.
2: Hi, my name is Karen.
6: Karen, go ahead,
2: please. Um, so it's saw. Um, I was smart enough to take it. I'm smart enough to return it. So if I can't find the person, if it's an old map, it sounds like you know 35 years ago, not saying you're old, but there's probably some sort of historical place in that town where you got the map, and return it. It's probably of great value if it made it to an article and it was special to that person. Uh, like you said, the woman was old, and, and you know you can go back to that town And I'll return it.
0: That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. W. Abby S., yes, go ahead with your question, please.
5: Yes. Thank you. Um, Hi, this is Abby S. Thank you so much for your share. Um, My question is, do you um, ever go long periods of time and then just all of a sudden, like, remember one that you need to make? And could you give an example of that? Thanks.
3: this is Jason. I can speak to that. Um, I think we are blessed with, uh, not the best memories at times because it might be so overwhelming if we remembered everything at once. When I have been driving down the road at times, I'll remember, I'll see a business and I'll be like, Oh shoot. I, you know, again, I used to not pay bills. The, and, uh, after about I think six months or nine months into recovery, I was like, just this random memory. I used to steal money off of my mother's desk and go to school and buy lunch with it. And so, you know, it was probably 30 bucks, maybe total. She had a big change door, all lots of quarters. So I called my mom up and, you know, and it, it, she didn't need the money, um, but it was so powerful because uh, it, it shows this demonstration of I'm on a new footing, living a new life. I stole this money from you mom. And I sent her a gift card in the same amount so she could do something nice for herself or buy something. Maybe she didn't, you know, plan on buying. But, yeah, I typically, you know, yeah, have memories sometimes visiting my hometown. I remember things from the past. Um, But, yeah, I think it's very, very common to just all of a sudden have a memory and realize you got to go back and think something up.
0: Thank you, Abby S., for your question. Jessica, you had a question as well this morning. Sarah Jessica. Perhaps not. Jody, Jody E. Star one to unmute, Jody.
5: Good morning, this is Jodi E. Thank you, Leah, and thank you, panel, for your uh, sharing this morning. I'm intrigued by Eileen and Karen's
0: experience of working the steps and then finding men to uh, marry or be with. And my
5: question is, how do you think working the steps and recovering enabled you to become ready and willing to be in a true partnership.
2: Hi, my name is Karen Kay.
0: Karen Kay, go ahead. Uh,
2: that true partnership um, was established for me. I described it um, in step two and step three. I took it, and that higher power takes me through to do a searching and fearless moral inventory because my my God's going through that and my God is showing me what's going on in six and seven and showing me the truth on my eight-step list and then actually getting guidance and direction um, from my loving God or higher power, whatever works uh, for, for uh, people. Uh, for me, it was having that intimate, loving relationship with my higher power to move forward, uh, go through the fear, do it anyway. You know, face everything is real. Face everything and recover. Excuse me, but it could, it could use R for real. And just, I just kept pushing forward. Of course, I needed my God squad. Of course, I needed my sponsor and the friends on on Vision. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's me and God. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eileen. Did you want to add anything to that?
1: Hi, um, yeah, sure. This is Eileen. Um, uh, I feel I feel like I've forgotten the question already. <laughs> I think I know what it, what it is. Is how is working the steps helped in your current relationship? I, I think that's what it is. Um, but you know, the first word I thought it was honesty. Is that is you know that's the principle that I've I've learned to practice. Um, in this relationship is, you know, just being transparent and, um, you know, I was talking about those behaviors that I uncovered from previous relationships. I, you know, with the help of God, I stopped practicing that behavior Um, and uh, that has, um, I don't know how to describe it, that has transformed my relationships with men. Um, And, you know, this whole thing about looking at my character defects as they arise and, uh, you know, going to my higher power and looking, you know, really, really, um, you know, focusing on what is the opposite of that behavior and why am I doing it, you know, and there's been a, um, it's just been pretty revealing to me when I look at what is the payoff of that behavior, like there's some belief that I have that I, that, you know, like I'm defending a belief so that, you know, I'm, I'm doing that because you know like I felt like um, you know I, I was doing this particular behavior in my previous relationships because I thought that was the way to have emotional security, and you know the more that I take my higher power into the into this relationship, um, that's kind of what enables it to go well, if that makes sense. Um, so it's you know honesty you know I, I learned in this inventory that you know that on i I could be not honest if I if I wasn't sharing feelings and, and ideas or, you know, feelings and I guess, desires, is that's a way of being dishonest, um, not sharing who I am. And, you know, it. how can I say this? Um, you know, it's like I can say what I mean but not say it mean. And that's been a real, um, you know, gift also. And I, I hope that answers a question that I've now forgotten. So anyway, thank you.
5: Thank you both.
0: Thank you for the question, Jody. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And of course, thank you to our panelists, Eileen M., Karen K., and Jason K., for sharing some of your amends process and how you faced and rectified the errors you had made. Thank you very much for these profound testimonies this morning. The share ID for today's presentation seventeen thousand one hundred and eighty seven. That's one seven one eight seven. We're gonna close from page one hundred sixty four. It's entitled its chapter is entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little.